0: Back, pulls up the three, boom! Knocks it out. Curry from the corner at three, puts it in. For overtime, makes it. Garrett, right. Welcome to the MVP Cast I me mean, Mark Woods. As always a pleasure to have your company. You can follow us, of course, on social media and get your basketball news or on Twitter at MVP underscore 24-7, or you can search MVPcast on Facebook and Instagram. Now our guest is one of our top young players, thankfully, playing here on home soil. She just returned from pulling on a Great Britain jersey once again in the Eurobasket women qualifiers and over time win. Over Portugal last weekend, followed by a loss in Greece. Not quite over-qualifying hopes, so fingers crossed for the rest of the campaign. But now, it's back to be WBBL duty this weekend with the Sheffield Hatters. Georgia Gale, welcome to the MVP cast.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: Let's talk about the GB games. I mean, a win and a loss, but overtime against Portugal was a thrilling game to follow. Mm -hmm. Then Greece, just that last few minutes in the fourth quarter where the game got away from you guys, but... I mean, how do you, you know, first went on the board of the campaign, which is good. Um, how did you feel about the performances?
1: Um, I think it's definitely a positive and something to continue to build on. It's always hard going into windows because sometimes some players can't get released or, you know, injuries and stuff like that. So you don't always know what you're going into the windows with. Um, we had some new faces in there um, that definitely made a positive impact. And again, I think it's a great building block. Ready for February to hopefully get two wins at home. To continue those hopes of qualifying,
0: Chema Bouteta put this lovely tweet post afterwards, and he was talking about you know the, I guess the pride he has in this group, and yeah we we, we adore his positive glasses, we adore his enthusiasm for all things GB. Mm-hmm. When you get together, even you know, backs against the wall a bit, you know you've got to win at least one of these games. But you know, how much is that culture that he's built up? Is that something? Is that something you can lean back on?
1: yeah I mean knowing your coach will support you no matter what is huge big games like that when there's a lot of pressure knowing that he is supportive and going to continue to be positive no matter what I think helps us as a team continue to push and play hard because we're not worried about making mistakes and we just think next play if we do we know we're not going to come off and get shouted at if you know what I mean Chem is really great to have as a coach especially now we've got like younger players coming through I think he's created a great team ethos, and even though there is the age gap between players, it, it doesn't seem to show, and I think that's down to him.
0: We've seen over the past six months Rachel Vanderbilt retired, Joe Leadham retired, so we're down mm-hmm. to three from the class of 2012. So it's just Tammy Fybenley, Shelton Hanley, Azania Stewart. I hope not missing anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, does does it feel slightly as this team now? belongs to a new generation like yourself and others that have you know come through not even since 2020 or so you know but you know the last maybe the last year or two even
1: yeah um i think the team is starting to evolve now into the younger generation um and you know it's great to still have some of the older ones there to guide us while we're kind of finding our feet um but it's just part of life isn't it stuff changes people start to retire and Fall away from the game, and the new ones come in. So, um, I think we've got to start building back up again to try and reach the successes that they did previously.
0: What do you learn from, particularly say, Temmy You know, who's got so mm-hmm. much rich experience of WNBA, of you know, of been all around Europe, and you know, she's such a powerful character, such an impressive person. But you do you pick up things from just being around her.
1: Yeah, I think. The first thing with Temmie is she's just a great person, um, highly educated, so she's very smart. She knows the game very well and she's a great person. Um, I do admire her and everything she's done and where she's been. So it is great to have her on the team and learn from her.
0: You know, you, always talks about the GB way, and that's the thing that gets passed on. For mm-hmm. those who, who don't get to sit inside the bubble or, you know, be at, be at practice or in the, the film rooms and stuff, how would you define that GB way?
1: just say a big thing is the positivity and never stopping fighting um i think we're shown in the games that we do work hard and that you can count on everybody to turn up on the day and you know try their hardest yeah i just think we've just built this whole ethos of positivity working hard not quitting until the like the game's done how, how has that
0: developed you as a player before we talk about that pathway but you know that international stage and the senior stage what does that add to your game or has it added to your game or even added to you as a person?
1: I think it's definitely made me more resilient. Playing the one at GBs is like not usually my position. I usually play the two or the three now. So going from not playing it to then playing it in European basketball, it's a big step up. But, you know, it's good to be challenged. I think it like, makes me grow as a person and a player. Like I said, the resilience. So, yeah, it's always a welcomed Challenge being there at GP
0: there must must be a real drive though, because you know you've seen so many of the those players, the past players, even the you know, players who are part of the team now that weren't at the Olympics. But you know they've they've played in EuroBasket finals and they've you know they've, they've been at tournaments. I guess is that now sort of the big target over the next you know even if it's not this time over the you know four years hence and to be in those tournaments and taste this for yourself.
1: Of course, I mean, what's the point in playing if you're not trying to win? You know that's what we go to camp for that's what we play day in and day out for to win so whatever team whether it's juby or like our home club teams or whatever i think the goal is always to be at the top always be at whatever final that there is
0: obviously you came through the ranks at sheffield and we'll talk well and she'll talk extensively about the the Hatters way which is you know as 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 the the country's most successful team let's not just say female team the so successful team um Mm -hmm. what what was for you that initiation in basketball because you know the family's so big your dad garnet played your mum lorraine played your aunt vanessa is your coach now
1: mm-hmm. was it
0: was it always basketball for you or were you one of those kids that were like Oof, they're all doing it. i want to do something different
1: <laughs> uh yeah so um i grew up playing basketball but i also had horses from well my mom had horses since she was 16. i got my first pony at two <laughs> so i did both so if I wasn't at the stables I'd be at the court whether my mum was coaching dad was coaching I was training or whatever um I didn't probably start playing properly until I was about nine um so growing up I was just like on the sidelines running about getting in the way and then yeah I did both but then I think it was about under 14 under 16 I kind of was like "Mm, I don't know if basketball's for me because I kind of went through that rebel stage I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing um and i'm like i want to quit i want to quit but at this point i was coached by my nan and i think it is hard when you're getting coached by family uh, especially at that age so i think that's what i found challenging Um but then eventually uh, at 16 i chose to give up the horses Go to a basketball academy and like do the England teams and stuff like that. And then obviously, I went off to America, so I, I couldn't do both at that point. I really did have to choose, I had to take something serious. And with horse riding, you have to be you have to have a lot of money to be able to take that seriously. And I knew I was talented at basketball, and I don't want to sound big headed, but I feel like I was, I was going to be more successful in basketball than horse riding.
0: Well, well we could pick so many of those, but let's talk about your nine the the late, but infinitely great betty Kadona, who's you know, mm-hmm. sadly left us not not really that long ago now and you know, bet, yeah, but i had so much admiration for betty as did everybody but i would imagine you know as, as a coach she you know she didn't pull any punches and um, what was it like having her because you know there's obviously nan you know nice nan who gives you christmas presents and all such like <laughs> and Nan, i imagine it probably was like you know you gotta muck in with everyone else is that is that fair
1: yeah, um, I mean it was always that tough love on the court. Um, <laughs> she was the same with everybody. I feel like everybody in the club was like a daughter, granddaughter to her. So it wasn't just me. She was tough on, she was tough on everybody. But she had high expectations, and that was the reason why the club was so successful because we were pushed, and she held us to those high standards. And that's why we produced a lot of great players. You look in the past at Kate Crowley, Lisa, Lisa Hutchinson, like Nessa, my mom, and that's all down to my nan and how she was. How, how
0: important, I mean, you, you've, you're this two generations removed, but can you sort of sit back and appreciate the importance and the, the legacy in a sense that, that Betty leaves behind? Because she had, you know, she held so many positions within basketball. She was chair of basketball and she was an absolute force of nature in pushing the, the women's game. I mean, it's, you must hear some of the things that she did even before you were around and think, blimey.
1: Yeah, um, I know she's used to travel a lot, I think. I'm not 100% sure she was on the board of FIBA. And, you know, she's lived a great life. She's done a lot. She's got her OBE. So she's a woman for people to look up to and admire. She's done so much for the game. And I think everybody, I think most people in basketball, especially women's basketball, are quite grateful for everything she has done. Um, my life wouldn't be the same if she didn't start this club. Sorry, my dog's shaking. <laughs> um <laughs> If she didn't start the club, you know, I don't know what we'd be doing as a family. Maybe I would just be horse riding, or maybe I'd be sat in my room doing nothing, but I'm glad it's turned out this way. How much,
0: you know, when, when she sadly passed, but and she was still so heavily involved and still very passionate. I mean, d- does it feel like now the torch has been passed to, you know, Vanessa foremost, but, you know, yourself to be part of that, to carry on? Essentially, it's a family business in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, um, my mum and Nessa do so much. Uh, My mum runs all the junior teams uh, and the Div 2 team and they started stepping a little bit more with the WBBL team. Nessa basically manages the whole WBBL team and I help where I can. Both of them, it is a lot. I mean, the volunteers have never been paid to do this stuff. I don't think people understand how much time and effort is put into it. It's like my nan would sit at a computer from nine in the morning until five, six o'clock at night in her retirement. Um, and a lot goes into it. So, you know, I think we all got a bit of a shock when, when nan did pass is how much we've had to step up and do as a family. How do you feel at
0: the club sitting now? You know, you're someone who's you know is involved behind the scenes and has been in with the bricks. I mean, we had that. Patch a few years ago when the Hatters disappeared from the league for a year, and it was you know it was financial. It, you know, it was about you know there was fears. you know, it, are the Hatters going to come back? You know is you know although it was yeah. know, a for a year, you never know. And Maybe. how do you think things are now? Particularly you know, was, you know the BBL has all this investment, and everyone's looking at it. And you know there's big plans. The new CEO's you know is effectively already in post. It, it they're talking big. WBBL's. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's been. You know, they're left out of this. I mean, do, do you do you feel positive about where the Hatters, where the league sits at the moment?
1: I'm always optimistic. Um, I feel like change takes time, so we have to be patient, but always hopeful, and just hope it moves in the right direction. I feel like us as a club again moving in the right direction, joining kind of with sharks like sharing their new arena. So yeah, I think even though we had that COVID year, we've come back we're doing great so far and i think it'll continue so i think it's just the hatters way isn't it you talk about the gb way but it's also the hatters way we just get on with it no matter what
0: i mean betty spent so much of her time fundraising you know, and mm-hmm. you know finding bits of money here and finding bits of money there i mean you, what's the secret or the formula for sustainability for a club like hatters at present before the, you know effectively a merger with the sharks
1: um, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and she, All I can say is she was relentless in trying to find us the funding and for us to be able to keep going. She knew a lot of people and a lot of people admired her and I think that's why people wanted to help us to get the funds in. So now it's a little bit of a different ball game. her not being here. Um, so we're trying to figure it out because it is different. But yeah, it's like I said, it's figuring out as we go. Um, but hopefully there's people out there that want to step up and sponsor us and support us because they know who we are as a club and that we are trying to continue my nan's like i said
0: do you feel it's the right time um now with you know the sharks new Canon arena or Canon whatever it ends up being called with air you know, cold to mm-hmm. to grow you know to go that formal link because i know that sarah bakovich has been helping you know the, the Hatters and you know the sharks um chief mm-hmm. already so the ties are already there and there's always been some ties between the clubs in terms of you know mutual support if not financial but does it feel like this is maybe a necessary step to both protect the hatters but also maybe to to find that next stage now
1: yeah i mean sarah's been great in helping us bring money in and like meet new people um i think you look at a lot of the successful clubs you look at london they have joined like the women and the men have joined um newcastle have got their own arena the women and the men are together so um i think that it's the next step for us and it's a step in the right direction
0: is there an importance though in trying to even if it you know everything must evolve everything must change but you know, to keep that dna of what's made the heart unique even mm-hmm. within some maybe a bigger organization now
1: yeah, of course. I don't think much will change. To be honest, like we will always be hard, as They will always be sharks. We will continue to do what we do because that's why we're so successful, and they'll continue to do what they do because that's what's made them successful too.
0: And I'm sure the first memories, you know, must have been of your, you know, your mum and your dad, Lorraine and, and Garnet, you know, mm-hmm. playing, coaching, being around that, um, you know. Describe the influence that they have, because you know, they've both coach you and work with you. I mean, mm-hmm. What's the sort of different influences that they have brought to bear?
1: Um, I think they're very different in how they play. And my mum would always joke she never played defence, um, and that <laughs> I got that from her. Um, and my dad, for well, I wouldn't even say I'm that athletic, to be honest, but my dad was an athlete. Um, my dad's always been the type to not say too much in a game, and then he'll we'll sit and have that conversation after. Um, we've just had very different approaches to how they've coached or kind of supported me but I've like appreciated that it is both different they are both very different.
0: Was it tricky that balance I mean you talked about you know Betty being you know the tough love was it even trickier having you know parents there giving you instruction?
1: No I think I worked better with my mum and dad me and my mum were extremely sales, so, especially when I was growing up so I think we had a good dynamic and then dad never coached me when i was young so i think it was easier to listen to my dad as well because he was kind of the outsider if you know what i mean um so yeah the dynamic worked quite well
0: i mean they were both formidable players in their day have you have you been able to i don't i don't want to be too harsh you know not the black and white films but you know the the sort of grainy vhs's of of their playing days have you been able to watch them
1: um of my mum uh in some interesting games. Um well I can like say is my mum is very feisty Um and then again stuff I've seen of my dad is he's just an athlete. He was such a smart player. My dad could play any position because of who he was. Um so yeah, both my parents were very good at what they did.
0: <laughs> you've got you've got those two and you've got Aunt Vanessa. Um did that was there ever a little sort of family games when you're growing up maybe cousin quinn as well involved in these
1: uh no not really you know
0: who would be the go-to and the family team because you got the starting five there
1: i know um i'd say now it would be quinn I. Eh? um he's i mean he's just amazing i admire him so much um i think being able to watch Quinn grow up and turn into the young man he is like it's just amazing um, I, think I get emotional talking about him because he's come so far um, from how he was when he was young when he used to be that little annoying child on the sideline asking his mum for money while she was coaching because he wants to get a chocolate bar from the vending machine or he wanted to get Luke's A <laughs> um, to this kid that I mean performing at a high level making the GB squad um, you know, we played in the Bronny Game in London. I mean, it's he's, he's just amazing what he's achieving at such a young age, and I'm so proud of him.
0: I mean, you were all you were all there in Newcastle, as was I, a few weeks ago when he you know was in the team for the first mm-hmm. time against Serbia. What what was the family emotions that night, seeing him you know in the, in the GB jersey lining up?
1: Just proud. I mean, and we knew he deserved to be there. Um, you know. Quinn is kind of the baby of the family now. So everybody supports him so much. He was very close to Nan um, and we got a little bit emotional after the game and uh, like seeing how she was looking at him and how proud she would be. Um, so he's got a bright future ahead of him.
0: <laughs> yeah, no he's, no, he's had his you know, first appearance and yeah, it's, um, it's everyone speaks very highly of his, his potential. And mm-hmm. when you were younger, obviously coming through the Hado system, um, you made that decision, like so many people, to go over to the states, and you know you had you know two different stops you, had, you know the Juco stop, but Northwest Florida state and then University of central Florida as well mm-hmm. and it, it's you know it's hey Florida's not not a bad place to go if you want you want <laughs> somewhere you know well done good choices yeah. um well, how did that enrich the life experience for
1: you? I saw a whole different way of life there. Um, Americans are very different Um, I feel like wherever you go people are very different and I think I got the shock of my life going there, when I was growing up I will say I was a bit of an asshole Um, and I was quite self-centered I will admit it Uh, but out there gave me a big reality check, showed me how to grow up and you know learn to be around different types of people like set people for who they were and not judge people um and kind of to get knocked down a peg you know everybody is an athlete out there everybody is talented um so i really think it challenged me as a person on and off the court to be better um and you know to stop living in my own little world and to realize there is a bigger world out there with a lot of like lovely people in it
0: what what took you into that she said self-centeredness was it you know because I you don't know what happens with you as a team you know, was it was it just you or was it influences or what got you there?
1: no it was me it was, big, it was like the whole big fish like little sea thing growing up with my family like owning the club um, I think I was just very comfortable um, and I hadn't really done I hadn't really been around a lot of other people like I was always in my comfort zone so to move out there was a huge step for me um, so it definitely gave me—I'd say—not a kick up the backside, like a whole kick in the face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was your big kind of? I don't know if there's a light bulb moment, but that sort of—someone you know, called it last weekend. I was—I was talking to, but that welcome to the USA moment, where you go, "Hi, hey kid! You—you're you know, the one from overseas, and yeah, you're going to have to live up to our standards now."
1: Yeah. Um. Literally, the moment I got out of the car, and all my teammates walked, walked up to me. I was like, where in the world have I come? So many different people from different walks of life, and especially the juco I was at, players that might have been kicked out of schools or didn't get grades or whatever. So there was a lot of characters. Um, so for me, from that moment meeting people, I was like, damn, like I, I really got to watch my back and be careful.
0: Off the court, what was the what was the biggest adjustment for you?
1: The big thing was the personnel isn't like how straight up people were. I had to be really careful with what I said or someone would probably thump me or beat the crap out of me. <laughs> um, so there were, I couldn't do that whole, well, whole self-centred thing because I would get checked and, and that's the thing. I had to be a good person out there. I had to respect people. And I'm not saying I didn't do that back here, but um, I just think it made me open my eyes more to how to be a better person and accept other people and their differences
0: on the court um what was the transformation for you
1: um i will say i feel like i became a one-dimensional player out there um i just feel like i just shot the ball all the time stand in the corner and shoot um whereas before like i wouldn't shoot the ball as much when i was like growing up i'd drive more so i think it changed my game in that respect because they kind of labeled me as a shooter Mm um so it's that but I think now coming home I'm starting to find my feet again in shooting the ball and getting into the basket um and I think my shots got better because of America I was like I was fortunate in the fact that at UCF I had Nikesha Sales as my position coach who's a UConn legend WNBA mm-hmm. legend um and she taught me how to shoot the ball so well um the amount of shots we put up the work we did um it was like an honor to work with her
0: i do have to ask and the thing i was curious about when i was looking up north west florida state it's not a place you necessarily trips off the tongue but it was in a place called niceville
1: Yeah. did <laughs> it live up to its billing uh, i mean it was a cute little town um <laughs> and you're like a 20 minute drive from the white sand beaches in clear water so it was a lot nicer than uh, Sheffield is <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's harsh in Sheffield in summer I mean Never.
1: Sheffield's lovely but I mean if you wanted beaches <laughs> hot weather it's, wonderful. it's not the
0: place it's not the place <laughs> and did, did you find that you know you talked about that one dimensionality but you know do you, do you think there though when you come back and you you, you went back to Spain first because it was you know COVID season mm-hmm. um did you find that that was an adjustment again to especially with Spain where it's you know it's technically such a good league but to try Mm and you know find your feet and try and find your rhythm particularly as a shooter as well
1: yeah it really took me a while to get going in Spain I think because it was the Covid year and I'd left America in March and I didn't go to Spain until November I hadn't played competitive basketball for so long so like I didn't get going until like the last month of the season so that was definitely a challenge for me mentally because I'm like I really suck right now and I'm out here I've been paid to do this and I'm terrible (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I mean I do have high expectations of myself so that's um it doesn't always help but um yeah Spain was definitely a challenge nice to be coached by different coaches and be in a different setting I had a lovely teammate um who went to Stanford um I was really fortunate in the fact that I was with her because it was tough. I, a lot of my teammates didn't speak English, um, so at some points, like it could feel a little bit isolating. But you know, I was fortunate in the fact I had Nadia as a roommate, uh, and she was so lovely, so it made the experience a lot better. I mean, you average in,
0: in Division Two in Spain nine points a game, four rebounds. You, you start, you know, shot thirty four percent, which you know is, is respectable enough. But you mm-hmm. came back to Sheffield when the you know the club got effectively re it in the WBBL the next year. Was, was there a question for you at all about coming back to Sheffield rather than taking that option of building yourself and building your reputation and a career in, in, over in mainland Europe?
1: Um, I think a big thing was the Brexit. Um, I think it just made it a lot harder overseas. And um, I feel like I've been away from home for so long that I needed to come back and help the family rebuild. Um I also wanted to buy a house, and that was a big focus for me um so and I'm not a threat, like I don't mind working a full- time job um for me, I'm very money focused um and I feel like it'd take me time to build up my income abroad uh, to where I'd want it to be um so I felt like coming home helping rebuild the hatters um finding my feet on the property ladder. Is what's been important at the moment. Um, I don't know if I will go abroad again in the future, or I might just kind of wait until I'm ready to coach, and I might go back to the states in the future. But I'm trying not to think too far ahead at the moment and not get ahead of myself.
0: <laughs> Do you feel like the league is at a standard now where you can you can keep going your game and you can keep being challenged?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we the teams are getting better. Uh, because more money's coming into the league. They're bringing in better players. So I I think that's great because I I like to be challenged. I don't like blowout games. So it's good that there are teams like Leicester and uh, Seven Sevenoaks that are challengers. Um, I definitely need to continue to see growth in some of the, the other teams. But it's coming. But like I said earlier, everything's a process and it takes time.
0: You've had a four-one start this season. You're in Caledonia, had, you know, a team above you this season. Um, mm-hmm. This Sunday, do you feel like I mean, obviously London's budget, because they're in Eurocup, is is phenomenal, and they have
1: mm-hmm.
0: done a land grab of some of the best British talent, um, mm-hmm. as well as you know f- former WNBA talent. And um, do you feel that like you can compete in the same way? Obviously, they we're talking about the BBL, but do you feel that like Hatters can still compete and chase on or does it feel like it's you know it's playing for second now
1: um i think we can compete with london um i think it, it's very tough to beat them um but i think we're, we're always just open to it like, we're always open-minded and we'll always strive to try and win every game we play. We don't go into it thinking, oh, we're going to get spanked by London. You can't have that mindset in basketball. Um, So, we definitely always look to compete no matter what. Like, if we get blown out, then that's an issue. Um, we should never be blown out by anybody because, um, you know, defence comes first. If you play good defence and stop teams from scoring so much, you don't have to score as much to keep up with them. Um, so a lot of that comes down to heart, I think, and we do have that. It's just sometimes we don't have it for forty minutes. Um, so yeah, we, we can compete with with teams like London. We just hope eventually we'll get the funding too to be able to grow our team and you know maybe have the whole Euro Cup experience as well.
0: Yeah, because obviously your your, your mum played would have played in Europe and Vanessa would have played in Europe and the old Roncatti Cup. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you think if the league grows that that should be something that clubs beyond lions are aiming for?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think every club's goal is to be able to pay all their players, have that money, be able to play at a high standard. Um so yeah, I think that's across the league any team would love to have that. It's just waiting until you have that back in.
0: Off the court you run a lot of the school's work and you run a lot of the community work of, of Hatters now. And tell us about that I mean, how extensive, I mean, I've been to the, I went once to a Sunday or Sunday or Saturday morning session, one of the two at All Saints and uh-huh. it was packed and it was so busy and it was really impressive. And, you know, how, how, where does it sit at the moment?
1: Um. Yeah, so my mom has worked really hard on those CBLs on a Sunday morning. Um, we have our hotshot sessions, which is for like primary school, we have, session for secondary school girls um so every every school we're in we give out leaflets encourage girls to come down watch the games um and kind of show them like there is other sports apart from football you find that football starts so early for them um or they're doing netball or whatever but we like to go into schools and show them that there is other sports out there that you know if you work hard you're probably more likely to make it in do you know how hard it is in sports like football um so yeah, we're doing that. We're in a lot of schools. Um, we run the Hot Shots program where schools play against each other, so they have like little competitions. Um, so, yeah, it's a constant work in progress getting young girls in and to, to help them find their love of basketball.
0: I mean, you you have that great advantage in that you can you can wear the GB jersey in, and you can you know, talk about the places you've been and the you know the opportunities you've had. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have that pitch, or do you have, feel you have to make maybe more of a pitch now? Because netball has has grown and it's it's put itself front and center. You've got women's football, which is you know grown exponentially over the past decade. There there's much more of a fight now, particularly in female sports, to capture athletic talent, capture girls of of, of all abilities and shapes and sizes to to choose basketball
1: yeah I mean it's it's always going to be tough when you're competing against other sports uh, but I do think basketball is on the up just slow life um, a lot of people I find that you've got a lot more kids wearing Jordans and wearing jerseys and knowing who LeBron James is and I know it's not you're not hearing about Kelsey Plum or Asia Wilson or whatever WNBA players, is but it's a start. Um, so I think yeah, it's it's always going to be tough to try and reach like the football kind of level. Um, but I mean, that's what we're all here for. We're going to keep continuing to help grow basketball.
0: If if you could, um, if you add one WNBA player to the Hatters team, who would you pick?
1: Oh, good question. Um, I will go. Hmm. I like how Asia Wilson plays. Very talented.
0: So I was thinking you were going to say or teammate Kelsey Plum. I think the two of you guys in the backcourt that would be fun.
1: <laughs> I, um, I think. Now I'm going to stick. I'm going to stay with Asia. I'm going to stay with Asia.
0: Yeah. Oh, but I'm impressive. We need to get her over here. Whether yeah, you know, we could afford her in this league, I don't <laughs> know. But you know, still, you can always we have
1: to sell our house to be able to afford that
0: <laughs> for one game. <laughs> such as <laughs> the such as the pay level but there you go um i mean you, you took you mentioned about you know all the off-court work i mean you, the minute you're working as a, as a teaching assistant in a, a school in Rotherham. i mean is, is and you've been working for a charity as well i mean what what is the next step you know alongside basketball what's the career plan
1: um i couldn't tell you um i'm just kind of taking it as it comes at the moment um I don't know what I want to do. Um, I'd love to coach, but there's no money in it. Um, and now having the house, I really have to think sensibly financially. Um, so at the moment, it's just continuing with the teaching stuff, trying to grow ba- grow basketball for us as a club. Uh, and then maybe in the future, it might be going to America to coach or hoping we get some investment and we can, you know, if I stop playing and I coach, I get paid to coach here just don't know really I'm just very open and trying not like I said earlier not looking too far into the future
0: it must be a bit saddening or despairing in a way though that you know if, if for someone that wants to coach and we've seen joe Leadham recently you know his assistant coach in the states finished didn't have an option here you know your your aunt Vanessa, you know is, is not is not getting rich off coaching that you know, she's incredibly talented she works very hard but the paid positions in this country particularly for female coaches could probably count it in one hand if not even that i mean when you look forward to careers it's a bit depressing isn't it
1: it is um but this is the life we've chosen we know how it is uh, and we've accepted it so hopefully something comes about if not we will just get on with it that's just how me and my family are we always figure it out
0: Let's let's end on something a bit more upbeat. Um, what what's the ambitions now? I mean, we you, you talked about winning EuroBasket. I mean, it's do, do you do, I know you don't set yourself sort of particularly long term goals, but you know what's what do you feel that where can you take your game to this next level?
1: Um. So yeah, EuroBasket, and then at Hatters, I definitely think hopefully some investment comes, and uh, we can start to grow our team, be successful in the league, hopefully trying to beat teams like London, and then looking to go into Europe. Um, and then I think also if we ever had um, the money to be able to get our young teams being able to play abroad. Um, obviously not like Euro Cup, but I'd love to give the girls a challenge of playing in different countries to be able to get a taster of maybe playing professionally in the future if they want to go abroad or hopefully staying and playing for Hatters.
0: And if if any... um anyone wants to invest in hatters that's listening to this what what would they get Mm. for their money here's your pitch
1: you will get a family-run successful women's basketball team and emphasis on the family we are a family um we always strive to be inclusive um getting girls active being part of something bigger um and hopefully creating positive futures for a lot of people
0: and that is very important, there's positive mm-hmm. features that you know, kids get the chance, particularly at these tough times of cost of living and all that stuff. But yeah, the Hatters do such great work in that. So, there you go. If you're listening and you've got a few million down the back of the sofa, you know, reach out to George <laughs> and then, yeah, full time jobs. There you go. That's the start of it as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> George, always great seeing your, your evolution as a player, um, and I'm sure as a coach uh, that we'll see in the years ahead. But, um, hope the cough gets better and, um, keep
1: Thank doing you. what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, okay. That is it for this edition of the MVP Cast. Don't forget you can get all our previous editions via your preferred podcast provider, or you can head to MVP twenty four seven. It still lives, and you can get your podcast there. If you want to reach out to me, you can get me on Twitter at Mark Another edition of the podcast coming very very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much as always for your company. We'll see you next time.